Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Oh, let me talk to you. Yeah, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. Yeah, we do. This is a jam-packed show, so we have a lot to get into, so we want to keep that conversation going with you after the show. So, Pad, where does everybody head over to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. So from the social media links to the T Public Store link to the Patreon link, shout-out to all our amazing patrons, and especially shout-out to our guy Mike from the Multiverse of Badness, who is back in the saddle, so to speak. Uh, one tier, $2 a month, and you got the bonus content coming your way. So we have a lot of stuff to discuss on the next Patreon episode. So definitely you want to make sure you drop that $2. It's well worth it. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Also, blogs, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 124,000. Sounds about right to me. I never question. He is a statistician, folks, amongst many other talents. The classified section, where you can find out everything going on with 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative. And there is a lot of news coming out with Nerd Initiative. Just saying. So you want to make sure you're dropping all those follow subscribes. Make sure you're not missing any moments of the content. Is that why we make the links so easy for you to follow, too? And, of course, we can't forget about the music. No, no, no. So if you want to find out everything going on with Brian Wolf and the Howlers, which there's a lot of news going on with Brian right now. Very happy to see all this going on for him. Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Floodlands, Shout at the Robots, and many, many more. You can find that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag odphpod. Well, you want to hear some sports? We got some sports talk for you. Mm-hmm. It is the NFL season week seven in review. So, Pad, let's get into our locks and leaps, shall we? Yeah, so we're, uh, first we're going to talk about my lock, one of my locks, which was the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Los Angeles Chargers, which they did handedly by the final score of 31-17. to Patrick Mahomes, 32-42 of for 424 yards passing, four touchdowns, just one interception. Justin Herbert, 17-30 of for 259 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Joshua Kelly led Los Angeles in rushing with seven carries, 75 yards, just one touchdown. Isaiah Pacheo led Kansas City in rushing with 13 carries, 32 yards, no touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, have yourself a goddamn game, why don't you? Of course, you know who was in attendance. Mm -hmm. Uh, 13 targets, 12 receptions, 179 yards receiving. He averaged 14.9 yards a catch. One touchdown. Uh, also of note, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had three catches, 84 yards, one touchdown. Rashi Rice, five catches, 60 yards, just one touchdown. Uh, and then on the Los Angeles side of things, Joshua Palmer led in led the, them with receiving, having himself a game, why don't you? Uh, seven targets, five catches, 133 yards receiving, averaged 26.6 Ooh. yards per, per Apologize per for catch. the pops there. Uh, if you were in a PPR league and you had him, you did very well this week. Uh, and then, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, no touchdowns. Well, I think this game can be summed up with saying, it's Kelsey, Kelsey, he's the problem you see. These The stats for this game are just absolutely fucking bonkers because at halftime, 
halftime, it was 24 to 17. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes was 20 of 23, 321 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. And Kelsey was nine catches, 143 yards passing and one touchdown. And I got to give credit to the folks over at CBS because they threw up the most hilarious graphic I've ever seen on a football broadcast. Mm-hmm. And it was the title of it was You Belong With T tight end this season and this is with taylor swift in attendance he's averaging 99 yards a game when left to his own devices aka she's not there which admittedly has only been one game right 46 and a half yards per game uh i think i think uh uh, coach reed is real happy with what's going on oh i think so too Uh, well i think it's a win-win for the nfl because obviously when you have one of the biggest pop stars in on the planet coming to your games you're bringing in a new audience and I think it's just motivation for the team because obviously when you have all the spotlight on you, you want to show up and show out. Mm-hmm. Kansas City is doing this. Yeah, they are. I mean, albeit though, it's Kansas City at home. Yeah. They are, quote unquote, extremely lucky in my opinion at home. Uh, they're also very loud at home. Yes. So when that happens, you have a different factor you have to deal with. And the Chargers, we have said this time and time again. If you're new to the show, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. We have said for many, many years and I dare anybody prove us wrong. The Chargers are the most inconsistent team in football with the amount of talent they have on both sides of the ball. Yes. The fact that they only put up 17 points against a Kansas City defense, which is not exactly a shutdown force by any stretch of the imagination. No. It is atrocious. And I'm sorry, like the fact that Joshua Palmer had five catches, 133 yards, and he was averaging 26 yards a catch. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, th- that is astounding. I mean, you look at some of the other ones, too. Keenan Allen average, uh, had four catches, 55 yards, uh, no touchdowns. He averaged 13.8. Mm-hmm. Quentin Johnson had a 20-yard catch. Which, again, who? Yeah. You know, uh, you gave up Gerald, Gerald Everett had three catches, 26 yards. You know, Darius uh, Davis, which, who? Mm-hmm. You know, had a 10-yard catch. So, like, these aren't household. Like, Keenan Allen, okay, I understand that. But, like, Joshua Palmer, I, apologies to anyone who's a fan of Joshua Palmer or where he wherever he went to college or the Los Angeles Chargers. Up until Sunday, I had never heard of this dude. Yeah, nobody did. You know, Let's now be I, honest. I mean, sorry. No, and now you go to ESPN, Yahoo, CBS, or whatever fantasy site you use, and you look at him come Thursday or Wednesday by noon, and you look at the percent ownership on him, look at it now, and then look at it on Wednesday at noon. It's going to jump from, like, single digits maybe to, like, 100%. Oh, yeah. Well, he's the replacement for Mike Williams. Yeah, that's true. Like, somebody needs yeah. to fill in that offense. So that's good for the Chargers. But here's the thing. You can have all those yards you want. Mm-hmm. But nobody remembers yards other than the fantasy football players and statisticians. That is true. Everybody looks at the scoreboard. Yeah. And the fact that you got double-digit beat by the Chiefs. And, I mean, this is with a, a Chiefs second di- secondary that's not that good. Okay. Exactly. Their front line is good. They gave the, they got five sacks on Justin Herbert. But then you look at what he did in the secondary, uh, 259 yards, mm-hmm. which was probably all in the first half. Because you look at the first half where, like we mentioned, it was 24 to 17 at halftime. The remainder of the game, seven points were put up between both teams, and that was for Kansas City in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, it, this is a tale of Kansas City is clicking at the right time, and they are very tough to beat at home. Mm-hmm. You know, whether we like to kid about it or not. Yeah, no, they are. When you have to go to Kansas City – it is going – you have to be bring your A game. Home cooking is always better than restaurant food. Facts. Absolute facts. 
And in this situation, Mahomes and company did what they needed to. And I'm sorry, I think this the blueprint is very simple to beat Kansas City. Yeah. You need to slow down Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Whether Taylor is in the building or not. Yeah. Because all you have to do is look at, okay, Mahomes threw 42 times. Yep. 12 of them went to Travis Kelsey. Yep. Everybody else is in single digits for attempts. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah, 12 for Kelsey. MVS had three. Rushy Rice had five. Pacheo, four. McKinnon, two. Sky Moore, two. Uh, Tony, Noah Gray, Blake Bell, Nicole Hardman Jr., who's back with the team, uh, one. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire technically caught none, but he was targeted once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's just a lot of things that you have to beat with Kansas City, especially at home. But mm-hmm. if you take away Kelsey and you can at least slow him down, yeah, then you have a great chance of beating him. And I'm sorry, the Chargers should have contended better. Mm-hmm. They're two and four, but yeah. looking at the talent they have on their offensive side of the ball, I mean, Austin Eckler, yeah. Supposed to be, you know, one of the top five running backs in the league. Fourteen carries, forty-five yards against right. this team. Like, well, and the other thing too is you need to employ a little bit of what teams would do against the Patriots when Tom Brady was there, mm-hmm. and really drag out the clock. You've got forty seconds between plays. Wait until two, three seconds before the play clock is de- is at zero, mm-hmm. and hike the ball. Really drag that, you know what, out. Yeah. Like take your time. You know, sure, you can run some hurry up, but, like, listen, as we've seen in, in, in the past, the Chiefs don't need a ton of time to go down the field and dissect you. Mm-hmm. They can do it in under a minute. Sorry, but they did it against Buffalo in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, no, I know, I know. They did it against Buffalo in the playoffs. So this this ain't like playing Peyton Manning where, like, you got to leave him no time left because he's got to look at you like a field general in, in the, you know, on a uh, field of combat. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got to take time and he's got to analyze the situation. He's got to go all Terminator mode and figure out what he's got. No, like Patrick Mahomes gets up there like, eh, yep, side throw. Eh, yep, underhand pass. Eh, shovel pass. Like you got to leave him almost no time and you got to drag it out and keep him off the field. Well, the biggest thing that any defense can do is load up the you have to blitz him a lot. Yes. So he doesn't have time. But then you just need to take Kelsey out of the equation. And it's a weird defensive scheme you can call up, but you have to make Mahomes beat you with somebody else. Uh huh. And so far in seven games, only one team has figured that out. And I would say also keeping a QB spy on Mahomes probably wouldn't be a bad idea just because he doesn't run all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's those times where you get enough pressure on him and your secondary holds that he escapes contain mm-hmm. and he takes off because there was one and i think it might have been his longest one of the game because mahomes had four carries 29 yard yards rushing uh and he, uh, no touchdowns but his longest one was 23 and i think that was the one they had it was like in the second quarter where he dropped back to pass he dropped back maybe like five ten yards yeah and he looked didn't have anything the pressure was getting to him and then he pers- like he only got credit for 23 yards but arguably it was like 30 mm-hmm. once he got back to the line of scrimmage yeah he scrambled for fucking 30 yards and ran out of bounds before anybody touched him. Like, there's nobody there that can, like, oh, shit, there he is. Well, you're just going to let him run by you? Yeah, it's something the teams just haven't figured out yet. And you have to give Kansas City credit. Like I said, only one team has figured out how to slow him down. Now, granted, yeah, that was Detroit and Kelsey didn't play. Yeah, uh, and they were missing their one dude on defense. Chris so. Jones. Chris Jones. Yeah, so that being said... We're now seven games in the season. The tape should be there Mm -hmm. for defensive coordinators to figure this out. 
Yep. The fact that it's still not figured out is astounding. Granted, uh, Benemy isn't there, but it's not like they rewrote the playbook. No, exactly. So, I mean, if you can slow down Kelsey, you will win. Mm-hmm. And teams need to do that, especially looking at their schedule moving forward. I think Kansas City is going to have some issues per se. Eh, could be. I mean, that's one thing that defenses really need to look at now because, I mean, obviously 6-1. and one, Yep. They're sitting very, very good in, they, in the AFC. They've got the AFC West probably locked up by this point. Um, looking at the Chiefs' schedule, though, this upcoming Sunday, uh, they are on the road playing the Denver Broncos. Uh, the following week, they're technically at home, but it's not really at home. It's over in Germany. Oh, the Germany game. It's the German game. Uh, they're over in Germany playing the Miami Dolphins. That'll be at 9.30 a.m. on the NFL Network. Take the over. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, and then uh, the following week, week 10, they're on a bye, because obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then the following week, goddamn, this is going to be a game. Week 11, Monday Night Football on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Plus, and I willing to bet there's going to be a Manning cast on this one. At home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. Holy uh, shit. That will be a game to talk about. Uh-huh. Barring any injuries, that's that's going to be the one that uh, I think good. is going to really show the test. Going to go on a, on a little limb right now. The ratings for Raw that week, real low. Yeah. Uh, and then for the Los Angeles Chargers, this upcoming Sunday, they're at home against the Chicago Bears. That one will be on Sunday Night Football. Uh, the week after, Really? Wait, they can't flex it out. They, can they? can't flex yet. Okay. Uh, week 9, they are currently scheduled for Monday Night Football at or on the road playing the New York Jets. Uh, that so that won't be at eight fifteen on ABC and ESPN. Week ten, they're at home against the Detroit Lions, uh, and then week eleven, they are on the road playing the Green Bay Packers. Well, the Chargers are going to have to figure something out quick. Yes, if they're going to try making the playoffs. Um, I think their head coach though is starting to feel a little pressure. Uh huh. The uh, stove's warming up a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say for Brandon Staley, I think it's going to be a little difficult to really justify another season. I mean, I'm like I say, Cur- I'm not cur- I'm, according to the playoff standings on ESPN.com, uh they are currently sitting in the 14th position out of 16 in the American Football Conference. Yeah, and like I say, I'm not wishing he gets fired by right, any but, but you've got all this talent offensively and defensively and what have you shown for me? Well, that's the problem. That you have all these weapons to really put up some points, your defense is very, very good mm-hmm. on paper. Yeah, but somehow there is a disconnect, and especially when you want to be considered an elite team in your conference, let alone your own division. Uh huh. The fact that you show up like this and you disappear in a second half mm-hmm. is something that is pause for concern. Yeah, and I'm sorry that this is something the Chargers organization is going to have to look at depending how the rest of the season goes. I mean, they do have a very favorable schedule the next three games. Right. But unless you really see something dynamic happen here, I'm not saying he's going to be gone by the end of the season, but I'm saying don't doubt if it happens. If there's no sign of, of positive change. Yeah. Now, we're not we're not saying he's saying, oh, you've got to turn into the Kansas City Chiefs in the next four weeks. Right, right, four right, weeks. right. But as long as there's positive change, okay, you're you're making steps in the right direction. But if it's stat quo for the next four weeks, then the, the old burner on the stove's turning up a little bit. Exactly. Uh, then switching over to one of my leaps, I chose the Atlanta Falcons to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because fuck it, why not? Uh, we got to admit, the leaps this week were not all that great. They were not good. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons ended up beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the final score of 16-13. to 13. Desmond Ritter, uh, 19-25, 250 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Baker Mayfield, 27-42, uh, 275 yards passing, just one touchdown and just one interception. Rashad White led Tampa Bay in rushing with 13 carries, 34 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Tyler Algier, uh, 21 carry for Atlanta, 21 carries, 59 yards, no touchdowns. 
Atlanta uh, for receiving had Drake London lead them. Six catches, 54 yards, no touchdowns. And then for Tampa Bay, Mike Evans led them because obviously why not? Uh, Six catches, 82 yards, and just one touchdown. Pat, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta is lucky they won this game. (laughs) Yeah, they are. Completely. This should have been all Tampa Bay. Because they fumbled the ball. Late in the game, like, with their ass against their own end zone. Mm-hmm. Ritter did not look good for Atlanta mm-hmm. this entire game. Could be rookie jitters. Who, who's to say? It could be. And with Atlanta, obviously, the bar is set very low. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. The, you could step over that bar. The NFC South is the worst division in football. Uh-huh. We have said this time and time again. I mean, yeah. the AFC South is given a good run for the money, though. I got to say that. Though. Half of the AFC South, or AFC, a half of the NFC South is sub 500. Mm-hmm. One team is at 500, and one team is barely above 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the Carolina Panthers, who are mm, zero. Yeah, we, we we don't have anything good to say about Carolina, so we just won't. It's a nice place to visit. It is. It's a great city. Yeah. A great state. Great city. I've been, been, Char- been to Charlotte. It's a yeah. nice city. A lot of great cities there. Yeah. But as far as Tampa Bay goes, they should have won this game outright. They didn't take advantage of yeah. a, an Atlanta team that is very puzzling. I know there was a little controversy going on with Bijan Robinson. Yeah, he was having headaches, I guess, in the week, in the days leading up to the game. Yes. Uh, one carry for three yards. Yeah, so I know there's a little controversy there, but I, I think, honestly, if he was even in this game for a, a greater deal of time than he was. Might might have made a small I, difference. Small difference, but I think the fact that it comes down to a late-minute 51-yard field goal yeah, to win the game, I mean, that, that kind of says it all. Tampa, yeah. Bay, Tampa Bay took them too lightly, which is weird to say because especially it's division. Yeah. And how Baker Mayfield has been playing like he was back in Oklahoma. Oh, my God. This yeah. season, like he's, he's played very well. I mean, I have to give the devil his due. Was it him that – after week six last week was like, listen, we suck. Yeah. You know, next week's a must win game. And mm, well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think he understood the temp in the room, too, because going down 3 3 or now to a 3 3 record, mm-hmm. Atlanta's ahead of them by a game. And especially if it comes down to tiebreakers, currently, right. you know, this is what it is currently. So, uh, looking at the playoff standings, they're currently sitting in where the hell? There they are. They're currently sitting in seventh place. Yeah. Which is not bad considering. No. Everybody wrote them off for this year. Yeah, but right behind them, though, is the Minnesota Vikings, Los Angeles Rams, the Washington Commanders, bum, 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 bum. and the New Orleans Saints all at three and four. Yeah. So there's not a lot of breathing room. There's not, and this is a situation that they have to make themselves stand out. Mm-hmm. And like I say, when is so congested there, and they need to do something to really get up there and really say we're a team that can contend. And this is the game they should have won. I'm sorry, the only highlight from this game was Drake London's touchdown that was taken away, but it looked like he scored him. He was a great highlight. But other than that, there's really nothing to write home about. And for Tampa Bay, they're now looking at a very tough game on a short week Yeah, with the Bills. Yeah. And they're going to really need to pull some magic off, which I don't know if this team can because, let's face it, when you're facing a, a team that is not as good mm-hmm. you know, in comparison, yeah. you're going to look great. But – this is a situation that they faced a lesser opponent and they got defeated. I mean, listen, Tampa Bay is in the same position the New England Patriots were when Tom Brady left. Yeah. That, like, it's hard to replace. It's hard to, you know, 
build off of that, and it's going to be a struggle for a couple of years, you mm-hmm. know. And whether they bounce back or not, we'll see, you know. But for Atlanta, good win for them. Desmond Ritter, you know, could be rookie jitters. I've looked up his stats. He's got six touchdowns, six interceptions on the year, so fairly average, I would say. Uh, but he's got one thousand six hundred and thirty yards passing. Yeah, uh, he's averaging two hundred and thirty-two point eight six yards a game. So that's not bad for a rookie. Not bad, but could be better. Could be better. Uh, and then looking at the schedules for these teams the next couple of weeks uh this upcoming sunday the atlanta falcons will be on the road playing the tennessee titans after that they are at home playing the minnesota vikings then they are on the road playing the arizona cardinals uh before they are on a bye week in week 11 uh and then you go over to the tampa bay buccaneers who as you alluded to have a real short week because this thursday they travel up to buffalo to play those buffalo bills on prime video on thursday night football Following that, uh, week nine, they're on the road playing the Houston Texans. Then they're back home in week 10 playing the Tennessee Titans. And then week 11, they're on the road playing the San Francisco 49ers. Well, like we say, uh, we're not expecting a lot from either team. No. But, you know, that being said, Tampa Bay should be playing a lot better. Atlanta is squeaking by. And we'll have to wait to see who winds up winning the NFC South before we uh, really give them some uh, credibility. Tampa Bay should lose the Buffalo game. I say should. Should. Houston, if they lose that game, then it's ooh, it's not it's not going to be good. No, I agree. On paper, they should beat Houston. Now, I'm not saying double digits. No, but they should win by at least a field goal or a, at least one touchdown. Yeah, but <laughs> if they don't, yikes! Yeah, exactly. So, going to my picks for this week, and I decided to roll the dice a little bit mm-hmm. because one thing that I have said this entire season thus far is I understand that Miami is playing very well. Yes, they are. They are an elite offense. Mm -hmm. But that defense was going to come up against somebody that was going to give them problems. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see how they were going to fare. And I'm sorry to say, Miami fans, my suspicions were true. You are reminding me of that Denver team that came out of the gate hot a couple Mm -hmm. years ago and everybody was ready to crown them Super Bowl champs. And then when you started facing teams that were – much better than the competition that you defeated early. You started coming back to earth a little bit. Yep. That's what we had here. Yep. So let's get into a pad. Let's talk about those Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, they beat the Miami Dolphins by the final score of 31 to 17. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 23 of 31 for 279 yards passing, two touchdowns, just one interception. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, 23 of 32 for 216 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Rohim, uh, Rahim Moster, nine carries, 45 yards, no touchdowns. DeAndre Swift for Philadelphia, 15 carries, 62 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, A.J. Brown led Philly in receiving because, duh, uh, 10 catches, 137 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Thank you for my fantasy team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then for Miami, Tyreek Hill led them because, duh, uh, 11 catches, 88 yards, and one touchdown. And I want to point out one thing. I think somebody from ESPN listens to this podcast. And the reason I say that is, what did we talk about last week? You know, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins and does it look good. But then we went off and we read the the records of the teams they had played up to that point. Mm-hmm. What did I see on on first take on? And hey, I'm listening. I'm not calling ESPN out. Like, yeah, you stole our shit. Anybody can look this shit up. But I think somebody listens because on Monday I saw when they were talking about the Miami Dolphins, they on the graphic on the bottom they threw up the opponents they had beaten this season and their records. ESPN, acknowledge us. Acknowledge us. Well, you you can easily find the the email at odphpodcast.com. Almost went with the old way, but you can find it that way too. I, I fully think that's the case here. Yeah. 
that Miami is playing great, and Tyreek Hill is making an argument mm-hmm. for MVP. You can have that conversation. It, it, he's in the conversation. I still give it to Christian McCaffrey. Even after this week, I still give it to him. Okay. But that being said, Miami really struggled against Philadelphia, especially in the second half. And this is a situation that for Miami to be considered a Super Bowl contender, Mm -hmm. they need to find ways to make adjustments in the second half for that defense. Mm -hmm. You could have all the points in the world you want, but at the end of the day, they could not stop Philadelphia in the second half. Nope. And more or less in the second quarter, too. And you can say about the brotherly shove all you want, which I love how they they named that. <laughs> I love that. That that that's good. But Philadelphia imposed their will. Now, granted, did some some you know calls go their way? Sure, it's football. It happens for every team. Uh-huh. You know, but is a situation that Miami had opportunities to capitalize? Yeah, they didn't. In fact, if I'm not memory serves me right, Tyreek Hill dropped an easy touchdown. Yeah, there was at least one. So that being said. Who knows what would have happened there? Well, and it's also like we say for UFC fights, boxing fights, like whatever else, don't leave it in the judges' hands. Yeah. Like, make it so that the score is like that that one missed call is a non-factor. Like, hey, did they miss a call? Yeah, sure. But you know what? It didn't matter anyway. We still beat them by whatever the, the differential would be. Mm-hmm. But and that's the situation. The Tua did not have a great game. I mean, only no. threw for 216, yeah. which is very low in comparison to what he's been able to do. Yep. And Morstert did not exactly have a great game running, 45 yards total. Uh, it was the lowest uh, passing total for the team this season. Uh, the previous low for Miami was 249 from Tua back in week two against the Patriots and is the second lowest rushing total from the team, the lowest of which was uh, 47 from Mostert in week one against the Chargers. And that's the situation that we talked about this offseason. What did Philadelphia do? Mm-hmm. They re-upped on their defense. Yeah. And they really fixed a lot of issues that they had last season. Yeah. So now, looking at this, how both teams are faring after this week, mm-hmm. Philadelphia is looking like a great Super Bowl contender. Philly's looking like they could repeat as uh, NFC champs. It's absolutely possible. Mm-hmm. Miami, I know a lot of the sports media was saying, well, this was a good loss. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I don't either. I think the situation that they have to realize is they're taking advantage of the schedule they have. They're defeating the lower-level teams. They're beating the teams they should. Yeah, which, I'm listen, I'm not faulting them on this. I yeah. mean, everybody that knows me knows I am not a Miami fan at all, but I will give the Devils their due. Mm-hmm. They have a great offense, but when they've had to face two elite defenses— and Buffalo's was when it was healthy. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that when we recap the game. I, I will be very honest about my opinions about that defense right now. They Miami struggles. Right. And it's a situation that when Tua doesn't have time to throw because there's too much pressure on him, he makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's something that Miami did not adjust for, and especially in the second half. They did not adjust for how Hurts was taking over the game. Right. And granted, they only put up 14 points, but still – they were moving the ball very, very easily. A.J. Brown yep. had a game. I mean, 137 in the air. I mean, like, what else could you want from this team? They did everything right, and that's something that, as a team that is being considered a Super Bowl contender, they need to be doing. When you uh, Obviously, the score doesn't say much, you know, for how the ball was moving. If you look at the second half, you know, 14 from Philly, 7 from Miami. You look at the time of possession, though. For the Miami Dolphins, or excuse me, let's start with the Eagles. For the Eagles, it was 36 minutes and 43 seconds. For the Miami Dolphins, 
23 minutes, 17 seconds. That's telling. Uh-huh. That's big time telling. It's one thing if it's like mm, two, three minutes, five minutes apart, but when it's mm, 13 minutes apart, yikes. Yeah, I mean, Philly just gave the blueprint about how to beat Miami. If, uh-huh. if anybody thought the Buffalo game was a fluke for whatever reason. Right. Philly just doubled down on it. Well, and, and sure, Miami's technically in the second position in the AFC because oh, sure. they're a division leader and yada, yada, yada. But uh, just looking at their schedule, you know, they don't have a – they have a st- couple stretches where it's like, okay, yeah, that could be rough. But, like, it's not an extended stretch where, like, oh, all their easy games are in this half, hard games are in the second half. So could they fall into, like, a top four seed in the AFC? Sure. But if you look at what happens the rest of the season with those teams that like, okay, they, they're scheduled against the Jets. We know that twice. They're, we know they're going to beat the Jets. They're scheduled against the Commanders. We know they're going to beat the Commanders. Mm. Should. They're scheduled against Tennessee. Should beat the should. should beat the Titans. But it's these games against, you know, you got the Raiders, the Chiefs, Patriots, which I know, you know, they're, they're better than the Patriots division. right now, but it's division. Mm. Patriots almost beat them week two. Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo. We'll see what happens. Uh, but for the schedule, the next couple of weeks, this upcoming Sunday, they are at home playing the New England Patriots. Week nine, they're on the road. Although or there's yeah, it's the Germany it's, game. It's the Germany game against Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, week ten, they are in a bye week because of course they are. Uh, and then week eleven, they are at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and then for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, this upcoming Sunday, they are on the road playing the Washington Commanders. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, then they are at home playing the Dallas Cowboys. Week uh, 10, they are on a bye. And then week 11, as we mentioned before, is the Monday night game on the road in Kansas City. That is slightly a brutal stretch. Yeah, that's two, not pretty. Two divisions and then Kansas City? Yeah, well, and then you look at, look at it after Ooh. the Kansas City game. Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas. Seattle, the Giants, the Cardinals, and then the Giants again. I mean, at least they'll finish the season out pretty easy. <laughs> I mean, that should be three wins at the the last weeks of the season. Four, I would say. Yeah, so, I mean, sorry, it could be. Well, I mean, like I say, Seattle will have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I but that stretch with Buffalo, San Francisco, and Dallas, and Dallas, that and Kansas City before that. Yikes! That's going to be a tough stretch. Uh huh. No, no joke about that. But I mean, this is what Philly's going to have to do if they want to get back to the Super Bowl. But as they played right now, I mean, this was a statement win for them. There's a lot of things to be excited about if you're a Philadelphia fan because they're clicking on both sides of the ball, and that's something that. I think is flying under the radar about how good their defense is playing. Mm-hmm. Like I know that there were some reports about like who else could be an MVP candidate. I know Kelsey came in there and another lineman as Jason Kelsey. Right, right, um, right. The center. The center. Yeah, as MVP. I don't. I would not necessarily say them, but I would say. No. It, but they're doing the thing. The little things that are making Hurts click with that offense. So they do. They definitely deserve that that recognition. Right. Oh, they do. But I, but I would not say that they're an MVP conversation, even though they're playing very very well. Think about the only conversation I want to have about Jason Kelsey right now is is he does he or does he not like the brotherly shove? Because you think about it, he's at the bottom of that fucking thing. I think as long as they score, he's good. Okay. Yeah. I, I truly that's do. Fair. Yeah, that's that's, fair. that's something about him. Because I, I always remember when I think it was David Cohn pitching the World Series or the perfect game again with the Yankees. Derek Jeter was at the bottom of that, and there's a story that like when after it was all said and done, Derek's like, okay, this is great. Get off me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure in that situation, nobody's winning. So, yep. I mean, you're celebrating, but, I mean, that, that's a whole different ball of wax there. Much so like the thrill of winning – when everybody is rooting against you. Uh-huh. Because I will admit, I thought Detroit, as well as they've been playing, uh-huh. would have had a great game against Baltimore, but this is not the Baltimore of old. <laughs> this is a whole new Baltimore team. 
and I think I can speak for everybody in Locks and Leaps. Oh, seven out of the ton of us. Yes. That we owe an apology to the Baltimore Ravens and to the Baltimore Ravens fan base. I know especially one in New York City. I, I will acknowledge you, sir. I should not have gone against my gut about this because it's the Ravens, and when you give them a chip on their shoulder, they usually show up no matter what team it is. And this is something, I mean, let's get into the breakdown of this game, but there's a lot of storylines with this one, and yeah. let's get into it. I thought about taking this one, but I just couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore ended up beating Detroit by the final score of 38-6. to Lamar Jackson in the air, 21-27 uh, for 357 yards passing. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Jared Goff, uh, 33 of 53 for 284 yards passing. No touchdowns, just one interceptions. Uh, Jameer Gibbs led Detroit in rushing, 11 carries, 68 yards, just one touchdown. Uh, Gus Edwards uh, led Baltimore in rushing with 14 carries, 64 yards, just one touchdown. Uh, Lamar had nine carries, 36 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, and then for receiving, Gus Edwards also led them in receiving with one catch, 80 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Although if you want to go more than one catch, Zay Flowers uh, was after him, four catches, 75 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, and then for Detroit, you have Amon Ross St. Brown led Detroit in receiving with 13 catches, 102 yards receiving, no touchdowns. Well, where do you want to start first, Baltimore or Detroit? Start with Baltimore. So Baltimore is quietly. They're a monster winning games and and building something very special with that team. And the key stat from this game is 9 and 36. Mhm. Lamar Jackson was not running a lot in this game. Nope. He was passing at ease. 21 for 27, 357 and 3. Uh-huh. He is really looking like an MVP candidate. And yeah. I know his name is not getting thrown out there for whatever reason. It needs to be. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that this team is 5-2 and two in a division that we all thought was going to be Cincinnati's to run away with. Mm-hmm. He is looking very sharp leading this team. The Ravens' defense played outstanding. Yeah, they did. And this is something that Baltimore needs to be in that AFC contender conversation. And I think we need to give them their praise for that. Mm-hmm. This was a very big statement win against the Detroit team that I hate saying this, but I think you can make the easiest comparison that they're the Miami of the NFC. Yeah, it could be. Because they have a great offense and their defense is good. But in a situation like this, I think it's very telling that they might not be there just yet, even though I do love Detroit. Mm-hmm. But you think about the teams that they have defeated. And I mean, granted, some might hold the asterisks by Kansas City, but I do give them credit. I think that was a big win. I think they would have right. won outright anyway if Kelsey was there. Right. They lost to the Seahawks in a close one. Mm-hmm. But then their last four wins, the Falcons, because uh-huh. who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta took a big L that game. Yeah, they did. The Packers, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, they need more than love. Mm -hmm. The Panthers, enough said. Winless. Enough said. And Tampa Bay. So now you face the Ravens, Uh who quietly are a Super Bowl contender. Yep. And they looked abysmal. Quietly in the number three seed in the AFC. Mm -hmm. They looked absolutely abysmal. Yeah. so, So for Detroit, 
there's a lot of homework that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is winning is the biggest Band-Aid of all sports. Up next, they have the Raiders. Yep. That should be a win. Yeah, you would think. Then you got the Chargers. Flip a coin of what team is going to show up there, but they have to go at to L.A. Uh, there's a bye weekend in the middle there, yeah. Okay. Then you got the Bears. Should be a win. Should be a win. But it's uh, division, so. And, uh, and, and, and you don't know because. D- depends on who's going to quarterback that game for uh, Chicago, too. Exactly. Then the Packers. Then the Saints. Yep. Then the Bears. Then the Broncos. Then the Vikings. So, realistically, their next big quote-unquote competition game Mm -hmm. is the second to last week of the season against the Cowboys, who, let's face it, depending on how they fare going into that game, they could be sitting starters. Mm -hmm. Am I saying that Detroit is a pretender? No. But I'm saying... They're hitting some bumps. There is a couple games that could be struggles but they should have an easy road to build back some confidence. But the only thing that scares me a little bit with this team is there are some games in here that are very, very easy opponents. Right. So is Detroit really a contender or a pretender? Well, they're going to need somebody to step up on offense because it was announced today, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. had announced on his Instagram post he's taking a leave of absence from the team to take care of some personal family matters. So whatever he's got going on, thoughts with him. Absolutely. But he's a veteran receiver. He uh, was drafted in 2012 in the fifth round out of Cal uh, by Cincinnati, but this is his sixth year with the team. That he spent uh, from 20, He was with the team from 2016 to 2020, was with Jacksonville for two years, and then he's back in Detroit. So veteran receiver knows the system. Obviously, it's a guy you would like to lean on, you know, in times like this. Like, hey, you know the system. Hey, you're a veteran presence. He's not going to be there. So Detroit's going to need somebody to step up big time. Absolutely. I mean, that's going to be something that they have enough weapons on offense. They could bounce back. Right. But their defense, that's going to be the big question mark. Mm-hmm. And like I say, Anzalone and Hutchinson have played great. Right. But if you look at the line of this game, zero sacks. Mm-hmm. And one hit on the QB. Mm-hmm. That is not going to get you anywhere in the playoffs. Right. So they need to really find somebody to give some assistance, give some pressure on the quarterback, and really make their presence felt. Because, I mean, granted, they do have a very favorable schedule moving forward. Yeah, they do. But they're going to need something more to get into that elite conversation. Mm-hmm. I just don't know who it is. I don't think a trade is there, but somebody's got to really step up. I just don't know who. Uh, so we mentioned the Detroit schedule, so let's look at the Baltimore schedule. And uh, this upcoming Sunday, they are on the road playing Arizona, and somebody call uh, Alfred Hitchcock on the old Ouija board. This one's going to the birds. Yeah. <laughs> Cardinals versus the Ravens. Uh, week 9, they're back at home playing the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, then week 10, they're at home playing the Cleveland Browns. And then week 11, they're at home playing the Cincinnati Bengals. That one will be on Thursday Night Football on Prime Video. That'll be some fun games. Uh-huh. Ball, I mean, Baltimore, listen, everybody wrote them off for dead, including, yeah. in, including us. But you yeah, know what? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're here. Yeah. And they're making some noise. And as long as Lamar is playing as well as he is and he's not running as much and he's giving the defense a lot to think about, this team's going to make a deep run mm-hmm. as long as they stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So that being said, let's take a quick lap around the league and end this segment on a high note. Yeah, so the Thursday night game was where the Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the New Orleans Saints 31-24. to So the easiest thing we can say is Jacksonville 
did Jacksonville things. Mm-hmm. They're five and two very quietly. And the stat that everybody's waiting on, Christian Kirk. Six mm-hmm. catches, 90 yards, one touchdown. Although Alvin Kamara have a game. 62 yards on the ground, 91 in the air. Woo. Well, he's definitely carrying as much as he can for the Saints offense. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I think Chris Olive has not had a, a, a breakout season like everybody thought he was going to have. Mm-hmm. But then again, it all rides on Derek Carr. And, I mean, 33 for 55. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good or bad stat, to be honest with you. Uh, then you had the Chicago Bears beat the Las Vegas Raiders 30-12. to uh, Shout out to starter Tyson Bagnett uh, for the Chicago Bears. First career start. Uh, did fairly well for himself. Uh, you know, 21-29, uh, 162 yards passing, uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. Nathan Peterman did get some time, though. Yes. Nathan Peterman made, uh, made a sighting. I, I, I had to do a double take when I saw that. <laughs> well, I did not think this would be a statement I would be making this football season, but here we are. Uh-huh. Do the Bears have a quarterback controversy? Uh, right now, maybe. You know, it depends on what happens next week. You know, ask me again next week. Yeah, that's that's the big, uh, big you, argument. Using scientific terms, the sample size isn't large enough. Yeah, but Bagnet looked good. He looked real good. Yeah, this, offense, this offense, I had not seen it move like this in quite some time. It is not a shot against Fields. I, I do haven't, like. Fields. I haven't seen the Bears move like this since they did the Super Bowl shuffle. Hey, facts, absolute facts. Yeah, uh, and then for the Raiders, eh, not looking so good. But then you're down your starter Brian Hoyer, and they're he's serviceable, but he's obviously not the guy at this at this stage. The Raiders are just trying to make it to the end of the season, one piece. I think. I mean, with this all with all the true. with all the drama that's been happening and. I know it was officially announced Devontae Adams is not uh, going to be traded mm. during the season. Okay, I, I think the Raiders, I mean, they can scrap, but they have to find ways to pull things off. I just, I don't know what is clicking, what is not clicking, other than it's McDaniels. It, it's absolutely McDaniels, and if they do not make the playoffs, he is as good as gone. Oh, I think so, too. I, I think I think that would be the smart move to do. I, mm-hmm. I think... I think the experiment is nothing against him personally, but I think the experiment of him as being a head coach is just not there. He's there, there's certain coordinators right, right. that are like that, and I think that he's one of those coordinators that just good he, as a coordinator, not good as a coach. Yes, yeah, like Cam Cameron, way back one. Uh, also, Eric Mangini, decent head coach. Yep, better coordinator though. Way better. Uh, you had the there it is. Uh, the Cleveland Browns beat the Indianapolis Colts thirty nine to thirty eight. Wild game. Yeah, I'd say so. Minshew Mania running wild all over everybody. Uh, 305 yards passing, two touchdowns. The Browns are finding ways to win. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, with all the injuries they've had this season, the fact that they are 4-2. and two, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Astounding. Uh, a little bit of concern maybe for your $230 million man, Deshaun Watson. Only one of five, five yards. Uh, currently listed on the Browns injury report as questionable and, quote, uh, Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski said Monday that Watson will undergo additional medical testing to ensure the quarterback isn't dealing with any further damage to the right rotator cuff he strained week three. Mm-hmm. Chris Easterling of the Akron Beacon Journal reports, quote, will continue to take that day to day. Stefanski said in regards to both Watson's availability for next Sunday's game in Seattle or whether the signal caller will require a stint on injured reserve. Mm, something to keep an eye on moving forward. Uh-huh. Uh, then you had the New York football giants defeat the Washington commanders 14 to seven. Well, somebody had to win. Exactly. The commanders bum, 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 bum. Really surprised here. Decent game from Saquon. Very good game for the Giants. I will give them credit. Tyrod's is looking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do we have considered. a quarterback controversy in, in New York? I think so. 
I mean, I'm sorry. We've said many times, Daniel Jones is not the guy. Yep. I think at this stage, you're two and five. The season is done. Uh-huh. Let, let Tyrod play out. And then I don't know what you do with Daniel Jones. You re-upped on him. Like that, you, that's the problem the Giants have right now. You signed a prenup with that marriage. Yep. So they have a lot of question marks going into the offseason. <laughs> so I'm having deja vu. Yeah. So uh, good luck, guys. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Los Angeles Rams 24-17. to Steelers 4-2 and two quietly, too. Uh-huh. That whole AFC North is getting very, very interesting. <laughs> the AFC North is like the polar opposite of the uh, a- NFC South. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the AFC North is at 500 or above. The only team at 500 is Cincinnati. Everybody else over 500. Yeah, this is wild to think about that they're all playing at this level. Uh, the Rams, well, the Rams are great if you play fantasy football. Yeah. That's all I got to yeah. say about them. Yeah. Uh, then you had the Seattle Seahawks defeat the Arizona Cardinals 20-10. to 10. No shock here. No. I mean, Arizona, we have said, is not one of the best teams in the league for a reason, and this game definitely showed it. About the only thing of note of this game is the one defender who decided to hit a ref in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the light pocketbook this week. Exactly. Yikes. Yay. Uh, the Denver Broncos. Who? Uh, let's ride. Yeah, I was, uh, was going to say, like, I couldn't even uh, – when this game happened and I saw the score, I wanted to yell, let's ride, but I, I couldn't because I'm like, what is happening here? Broncos country. Let's, let's ride. 19-17 uh, win over the Green Bay Packers. Well, the Packers needed more than love. Yeah, they do. Uh, Apparently the Beatles were wrong. Yeah, this this should not have gone this way. I'm no, sorry. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. This Jesus been, Christ. This should have been the Packers. Yeah. There, there's no way about this. Not, uh, not like handedly or decidedly, but like. At least the score. Yeah, but Jordan Love throwing that interception late in the double coverage did not help matters. Yeah. Th- that did not help. I mean, yeah. I, I understand he's still finding his way, but y- you can't do that, especially that late. I'm, mm-hmm. so, I'm sorry. So, mm-hmm. ugh. And then last and certainly not least, uh, the games we're going to mention before we get to, you know, the one important game. Oh, yeah, we have one to talk about. Uh, is the Monday night game where the Minnesota Vikings defeated the San Francisco 49ers 22-17. to Well... Cause for concern, Pad? Who the hell needs Justin Jefferson anyway? Yeah. When you got Jordan Addison. Who? Exactly. Seven catches on 10 targets, 123 yards receiving, average 17.6 yards a catch, two touchdowns. God damn. Yeah. I will. Uh, in the words of Kirk Cousins, you like that? Kirk Cousins would be a great quarterback for the LA Chargers. <laughs> that is the dream pairing I need. In my world. Oh, boy. Because he's the most inconsistent quarterback of all quarterbacks playing right now. Uh-huh. You get him in prime time, and usually he disappears. Yep. Yet well, he, you get him in prime time, I think, on, like, Thursdays. Yeah. It's either Sundays or Thursdays. He's awful. Yeah, he's awful. But Mondays, he, he I, I don't he know. He loves Mondays. I Like, there needs to be, like, a college course about him yeah. to explain it, because I, I can't make any sense of this. Maybe he listens to the Gary V. Monday speech on repeat. Maybe. Shout out to Gary V. Uh, like, honest to God, I, I can't figure it out as much as I try explaining it. Justin Jefferson is not playing. This should have been the 49ers all day. Christian McCaffrey, did he had a good game, but not a great game. Brock Purdy did not play bad either. You just had Minnesota step up. And if you're a Vikings fan, this is a great win. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if you're a 49ers fan... I don't want to say it's pause for concern. Like, I mean, I'm throwing that out there because I've heard a lot of people think the sky is falling. Right. And it's like, I don't think it's there. Mm-hmm. I just think the teams are really figuring out how to slow down Purdy. Mm-hmm. 
And this is happening with enough game film. Yeah. So if you can do this, you're you're going to give them a little problems. Granted, this game should have gone a little differently. I think there are some plays that the 49ers should have had. Right. They didn't. Right. And Minnesota took advantage of it. I, albeit, though, um, what was I seeing about the coach was saying about uh, telling the one player? To, oh, Hawkinson. Yeah. He, he told Hawkinson to, like, go down so they could take an injury timeout. Yeah. That's a little sus. That's, that was very, very suspect. Like, uh, I looked it up via stat muse, which if you ever want to look up stats and you don't want to, like, search through – a thousand and one websites. Look, try StatMuse. Highly recommend these folks. Uh, but uh, through his career, he has like th- Kirk Cousins has like thirteen wins on Monday night. That is incredible. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, and then it, the, it also says Kirk Cousins had his most games in a season on Mondays in 2019, 2017, 2016 with two games. Well, hey, I mean, that's something to keep in mind. If, yeah. Dude, dude's insane. Yeah, it, it's insane to think about. And like I said, this game was just wild to begin with, like I said, from the coach's action to uh-huh. Kirk Cousins just bawling out of his mind. Yeah. I mean, kudos to the Vikings. And the 49ers, I mean, obviously they'll have the little little adjustment with Purdy. But it's it's good. Like we said you know, last week, it, it's good to get these losses in because that helps you figure these things out come playoff time because this is a playoff team. Oh, absolutely. I, I still I, I still have them winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm still not faltering on that. And Lord knows they're going to need to figure out before they get to the uh, latter half of this season because, you know, there's some games in there that could be a little interesting. Mm. Baltimore, Philly, the Rams, just to name a few. Yeah, that's going to be a real test for them. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see what the 49ers are made of, but I fully feel confident about that. And there's one more game we got to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, and we uh, got to mention our two teams did play each other on mm-hmm. Sunday. And I got to admit, going into this game, it was not on here in our local area yeah. because they decided to air the the Giants game and the Bills game was both on CBS this week. And so they, whatever reason, elected to go with the Giants game. Hey, uh, going into it, I was like, hey, you know what? This ain't a bad thing. I'm not going to be able to suffer. Mm-hmm. Although I didn't suffer for long because the New England Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills 29-17. to uh, Pulling up the box score here, uh, you had Mac Jones, 25 of 30, 272 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Josh Allen, 27-41 of 41 for 265 yards passing, two touchdowns, just one interception. James Cook, 13, of, uh, 13 carries, 56 yards, no touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson, 9 carries, 34 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, for the Patriots, Kendrick Bourne led them in receiving with six catches, 63 yards, one touchdown. And then Dalton Kincaid led Buffalo in receiving with eight catches, 75 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, I can sum this up for the Bills very easily. Okay. Remember when I mentioned the Bills were listening to the hype? Yes. They did it again. Mm. And one thing that I have stressed on here and, and – it's very well public knowledge. Pat's a Patriots fan. I'm a Bills fan. Yes. We we always have conversations about this. Yes. When it's division, you can't overlook your opponent. doesn't matter how bad they are. Nope. And the Patriots have been bad. Oh, yeah. The Bills overlooked them. And you could tell by the opening drive when, I mean, Josh got picked off. Yeah. That we were he was thinking too much. Like, the problem that they're doing, and I don't know – if this is a McDermott thing, I don't know if this is a Ken Dorsey thing. I don't mm-hmm. know if this is a Josh Allen thing. Mm-hmm. When they start hearing about the praises, about how great the Bills' offense is, and it has been great at times this season. Sure. They are just like the ego must be going through the roof somewhere, mm. and I don't know who it is. Right. Because the problem is when you have a team like this, right? they should have put up way more points. Yeah. In the first half. Uh, three in the first half. Exactly. Than they did. Yep. 
And I know it's the Patriots, and I know it's Belichick defense, but they still should have done it. Yeah. But the most egregious thing about this game is the last minute of the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. The Bills came down, scored late, took the lead. Well, this is and this is after they got the punch out fumble from I want to say it was uh, Poyer. Yeah, it was twenty one. Yeah. So they yeah you get the punch out fumble and they're making play like their defense was making some plays which is great that's what they should yeah. be doing especially out Milano in the lineup and, and Tredavious White yeah somebody needs to step up and do some things yep so we did have some players do that which is great I I'll listen I'm not complaining Espinosa played great too you know, like I know he's not getting a lot of credit but he played great in fact he almost he was about a split second away from a, a strip sack mm-hmm. on on Mac which would ice the game however though. The problem is, once you gave the Patriots the ball back, yep. everybody forgot to cover the middle of the field. It also felt like they played a little soft. Oh, they did, because they went into prevent, mm-hmm. which I don't understand why defensive coordinators go into this, because it's the most stupidest idea possible. Mm-hmm. Unless somebody has to throw a Hail Mary, why are you going into prevent? Yeah. Why? Patriots don't exactly have that downfield threat. They're like, oh, let's just chuck it up. And they don't have like a DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs, you know, Devontae Adams. It's like, shit, just send them on a straight line down the field. They'll catch it. Yeah. Patriots, sorry, listen, that's no disrespect. I love all of their receivers. You know, some more than others. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out Mike Gusecki and the Gritty. Uh, but they don't have that guy. Yeah. They just don't. So when I saw the highlights, because I, like I said, I wasn't on TV here, so I wasn't able to see every play. When I saw them doing that, I'm like, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any goddamn sense why you're doing this against the Patriots. Yeah. No, it made no damn sense. None. So the fact that the Bills did this was insulting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, they're just dunking it down the middle of the field. Yeah. And sure enough, that's all they needed to do. Right. Nobody was covering the middle of the field. I don't know what Poyer was doing. I don't know what Hyde was doing. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm well, saying- and, and the other thing, too, is this final drive for the Patriots started on the, what was it, the 25? Yeah. Because the Bills came came off the touchdown, kicked it through the end zone, so it was a touchback. Yeah. So they went all the way down the field from the 25. Exactly. So the fact that you let Mac Jones carve you up the middle. Second career game-winning touchdown drive, I think. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And then you had Gusecki get the ball, which I mean, honest to God, this gave me flashbacks of Gronk and Brady because yeah. of the exact same damn play. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it was the same offensive coordinator. Right. But that was the whole thing. Yeah. He just drew it up and the Bills bit on it. Yeah. Well, and the thing I heard with Mag to give him some credit was they started doing some more plays this week from uh, what he was familiar with in college. Yeah. So maybe so maybe that was a part of it, too, was he's like, oh, hey, I know these. I'm comfortable with these. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of it that has to be said there, too. But at the, at the same time, you take a look at the receivers he has to work with, mm-hmm. and none of them really had a lights-out game. No. Decent. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, you know, 63. DeMario Douglas, have yourself a goddamn game. You yeah. know, four catches, 54 yards. He's he's a rookie. Right. You know, uh, Farrell Brown, one of their rookie tight ends, two catches, 51. Uh, Ramondre had six catches for 51. Hunter Henry, two for 27. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. No, nobody had a crazy game. Right, right. All they were, all Mac did was throw it on the middle of the field. So and, 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 dunk. and nobody on the Bills figured to stand in the middle and just give like just be a QB spy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like that's the problem. And then especially at the end where Gasecki is just running around wide open in the in the end zone. Right. Of all things him. Right. Like I, I mean sorry, like I was sitting there watching like the ball is going to either him or Henry, whoever's on the it's going to the tight end. Like that's right. what the Patriots offense is. Yeah. So the fact that the Bills did this, I'm sorry. 
They need somebody to step up now, especially with Milano out and White out. Like they right. need somebody in that center right. to really shut things down. And they did not have anybody like Bernard did great. Yeah, but I mean, I he can only do so much. He needs yeah. help, and especially with you got Poyer and Hyde, arguably the two best backfield defenders of safeties in the league. Somebody has got to step up and make a play there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, the fact that you got burnt by Gasecki. Right. With eight seconds left. Twelve. Whatever it was. Doesn't matter. Like I think probably by the time I looked at the score, I was getting mad because the Bills got the ball back and there's it was already done. That's the problem, especially if you're supposed to be the MVP of the league and the and the Super Bowl contenders. The greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I they're not gonna get there. They're if they play like this, they're not gonna do it. I and mean, I'm sorry, because you need to take advantage of the teams that you can have an easy win against. And I'm sorry, this should have been an easy win. Well, and that's the thing too, is what's been the one of my biggest criticisms with the Patriots this entire uh, season? How shitty the fucking offensive line is. Yeah. I don't know what they goddamn did this week, but like repeat it because Mac only got sacked the one time this game. Uh and then Mac Jones versus the Blitz this week, eight of nine, hundred and thirteen yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions, and he had a passer rating of hundred and fifty five point eight. Yeah, it was a joke. It was an absolute joke. The, the, and let's not forget. You forget what I said. Last week I said the Patriots offensive line couldn't guard air. Yeah. And he's looking like a goddamn half decent quarterback this week. I mean, you take a look. The Bills only had one sack on him. Mm-hmm. Four QB hits. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. Like, I know Bills Mafia is going to get on me about this. And, like, I'm not jumping ship. Trust me. I've sat through the J.P. Lossman era. I've sat oh. through the E.J. Manuel era, folks. I, I was there when they drafted E.J. Manuel. Yep. And thank God we did not have camera phones then. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. I'm just saying the Bills play as well as they do when they have to. Mm-hmm. But when there's a game that they can easily put away, they, for some reason, don't come out with the same intensity. And I think it's because somebody is buying in too much into the damn hype of the media mm-hmm. when they're saying Josh is an MVP and this team is going to go to the Super Bowl, this team is, should be undefeated, blah, right. blah, blah. Right. Sorry. When you are losing games like this, yeah, this is pause for concern. Very much so. And they're, I'm sorry, the Tampa Bay game just turned into a must win. Yeah. No, it did. And that's, I I was not thinking I'd be saying that this week, but mm-hmm. honest to God, seeing the effort that was going on with this team, and I'm not going to be screaming Dorsey should be fired, mm-hmm. but I think that something's got to get shooken up in that offensive yeah. side. Yeah. I just don't know if it's Josh Audibling out of things. Could be. Because I think there's a lot of that that's going it, on too. It, it could be an Aaron Rodgers type situation, and I'm and now I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying I've heard it is. No, no, sure, sure, I get you. This is just kind of me thinking it could be an Aaron Rodgers type situation when he was in Green Bay and didn't agree with what they were play calling there, where they're calling one thing and he's hearing that going, yeah, you know, f that, yeah, and he goes into the huddle and he calls his own thing. Yeah, which I mean, you're not going to win anything doing that. No, I mean, and for Mac, I'm I'm happy for it. I'm not sitting here saying he's the guy, but it's, no, but it, good win for him. It's a good win for him. Uh, credit, kudos to Bill. Belichick, it's his 300th regular season win, uh, third all-time, only the third head coach in NFL history uh, behind Don Shula and George Hallis. Uh, you know, and re-upped his contract too. Al- uh, allegedly, quiet, quietly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so of all the talk of he's he's getting fired at the end of the year, maybe, maybe not. But no, Mac, it's it's a good sign. It's it's progression. You know, because the thing is, and he's had three offensive coordinators in three years. Mm-hmm. And and let's not forget, as Dan Orlovsky brought up on ESPN on first take yesterday. Let's not forget, as bad as last year was, he had a defensive coordinator calling offensive plays for him last year. Yeah. 
that's not ideal. I don't care who the fuck you are. You know, so it's a positive sign. Maybe they found something. Maybe they found a formula that worked for him. Maybe it's going back to what he knows in college and limiting the playbook. Yeah. Build from there. But it's it for me, it's a positive step in the right direction. Now, I'm not sitting here saying he's back to being the guy. But you know what? He's showing some positive steps. There's a lot of things to like from this game if you're a Patriots fan. And yeah. if you're a Bills game, there's a lot that you're very, very angry about. And you should be. And you should not be defending this. I'm sorry, Bills Mafia. This is a bad loss. So we need to bounce back against the Bucks, and and the discussion. Well, in that aspect. But, you know, we can still talk to you guys about football, and we definitely want to. So here's up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. Week 7 of the NFL. Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern, or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to recap a wild weekend. Holy shit. Of UFC action. UFC 294 had a lot of headlines coming out of it, and the main card did not disappoint, but there's a lot to break down. Yeah. So let's get into it, Pat. Uh, so we're going to start in the third fight that took place on the uh, main card there, which was in the light heavyweight division where you had uh, Magmedev and Kalev defeat Johnny Walker. Uh, went, well, it went on no contest. There was no winner or loser. The fight was uh ruled a no contest due to an illegal knee uh, uh, and Kyle have used on Johnny Walker, which rendered Walker unable to continue. That was at three minutes and 13 seconds of the first round. Yeah, this one was very disappointing because yeah. I think that this one would have given an idea about who would be in title contention for the light heavyweight title. Uh, let's see. Light heavyweight title. Obviously, Jamal Hall Hill is the champion uh, and Kalev currently the number two ranked fighter. And then you've got Johnny Walker is the number seven ranked fighter. So yeah, probably it would have had some because I mean, obviously, they're they're having the interim title too with uh, yeah. Yuri, you know, coming back too. So like yeah. I say, there's there's gonna be some moving and shaking going on in the 205 division. Yeah. So it would have been cool to have seen, uh, you know, like a clear cut plan of like who's next, right? But especially with Johnny Walker, who I mean has has fought his way back after, you know, uh, a little bit of a hiccup. Yeah, I would say. It, it, I mean, that's a fair statement to make. I mean, obviously. He has had a rough start um, mm-hmm. to his career because everybody was instantly ready to crown him. Well, he was uh, in his professional career at the UFC. He was 17-3 and three before he suffered his first loss, which was a knockout from Corey Anderson. That was in November of 2019. Came back against Nikita Krylov, lost by unanimous decision. Then he came back and knocked out Ryan Spahn in uh, December, September of 2020, only to lose his next fight by unanimous decision to Tiago Santos. Then he lost to the current... UFC light uh, light heavyweight champion Jamal Hall Hill knocked him out, knocked out uh, Walker, but he's been on a little bit of a little bit of a run here, uh, winning his last three fights, not counting this one to no contest. Yeah, so I think the smart move is run it back. I, I'd say so. I mean, I, I think you can end things like that. Obviously, the light heavyweight division's got its own fireworks happening, yeah. but I, but I, I, like this one. I don't, I, I don't think it's good to end it. Like I'm not, no. I'm not big on immediate rematches, right? But I think you need to. I mean, especially with the lead in from this card too. We mean we had those two great first round uh, finishes. Yeah, uh, the first fight in the main card was the bantamweight division where Syed Nurmagomedov. Yes, folks, there's another one <laughs> uh, to quote DJ Khaled. Uh, he defeated his opponent, uh, Muin. Uh, 
Garfruov yep. uh, via guillotine choke submission. Huh. Uh, 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 Nurmagomedov winning via wrestling. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Yeah. Uh, and then after that was the middleweight fight between Ikram Ellis uh, Krayoff, who defeated Warley Alves with a flying knee and punches knockout uh, in the first round. Yeah, so, so I mean, both of these were the first round. Yeah, so I mean, both of the, the fight was moving so fast. Like I say, there's not really a lot to talk about those two fights. Mm-hmm. And then you get to this one, and then you just legally you you felt the air kind of just let out of the building. Yeah, like don't get us wrong. Like we like knockouts. We, yes, we like submissions. You know, we hate it when you get three fights in a row that end this quickly because then it's like, all right, we're burning through this this pay per view that we burnt we paid all this money for. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, you don't want it to go three five minute rounds for each fight right like i say you want that excitement to go on and like you're thinking when you're watching this like man you know this fight is really taking off and this this card is gonna be amazing and then you have that no contest and, and you hit it, a brick wall yeah it's just like man and especially too like all early finishes yep so then it's like you have to kill that time to get to the main events and especially you could definitely tell the crowd had to get re-energized uh-huh. once we get to the co-main yep i mean albeit though it did a good job about doing it holy shit but there is a lot of lot of talk right now about this one. So this was the middleweight uh, bout between Kamaru Usman and Hamzat Chimeyev, where you had Hamzat Chimeyev defeat Kamaru Usman via majority decision. The judges uh, scoring this fight 29-27, 29-27, and 28-28. So this fight definitely had its drama because Paulo Costa was supposed to be the original opponent for Chimaev. This was the fight that like had like three people attached to it. Exactly. Point, like yeah. this was just a mess yeah. to, to make happen. And, and, and Usman moved up in weight. Right. Uh, I did not like him at this weight class. Right. This was a very back and forth fight. But mm-hmm. I mean, love him or hate him, Chimaev is is the the hype is real. Right. As much as you don't want to believe it, and, and like I say, I've been very skeptical because obviously when you have problems cutting weight. Yeah. And that definitely messed up a very big card. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of sour a little bit because that's part of the job. Like, you need to hit weight if you're going to hit weight. So now the question is, where does everybody go from here? And I think for Chemayev, it's Sean Strickland. Right. No matter what anybody wants to say or think. But, I mean, obviously he can kind of call his own shot because he could also go down to welterweight and take on Leon Edwards or whoever the champion is going to be there, I mean, between him and Colby. Well, looking at UFC.com slash rankings and specifically the middleweight division, where, as you mentioned, uh, Sean Strickland is the champion. Uh, hi, uh, Hamza Shemaev has entered the chat yeah. uh, because he is newly ranked in that division at the number nine position with Jack Hermanson uh, ahead of him in the number eight position. Roman uh, Dolidze, uh in the seven position. Paolo Costa at six. Marvin Vittori at the five spot. Jared Canyonier at four. Robert Whitaker at the three. Driscus Duplessis at the two. And number Number one ranked contender is Israel style bender Adesanya. Yeah, Adesanya is taking time off, which he should. Right. Which right. he should. Listen, no arguments about that. So if they want to really have a crazy, well, let me rephrase this. If the UFC really wants a crazy press conference, uh-huh. you put Shamayev and Strickland on there, you're going to get fireworks. Right. It's probably going to get censored. Higher double security. Yeah. Like this will be shades of McGregor and Diaz. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm here for. I like the chaos. But that fight, uh, as much as people don't want to think, I think Chamaya runs through him. Mm-hmm. There's just he has that it factor. Like it's crazy to think about. Yeah, 
but he can do it, and especially with how he handled Kamaru Usman. I mean, let's face it, one of the greatest welterweights of all time. Right. Moved up. Right. Did not like the win. Right. But, you know, did not like the weight. But, you know, like I say, it, it, you can definitely have a lot of options for him. I think he goes back to welterweight. Probably. Which, I mean, you now have to wait to see what is going to happen there. I mean, because there, there's so much possibilities for Usman back down there at mm-hmm. that weight class at yeah. 170. So, I mean, like I say, I, I don't want to say you have to pencil him back in for a title contention, but I think that he could definitely face somebody in that top five. Well, I mean, looking at his record, this is his third loss in a row. Uh, the prior two fights, he was at the welterweight division where he lost the uh, fight against Leon, the rematch against Leon Edwards for the welterweight championship. Uh, that was back in March, and then prior to that was where he lost the welterweight championship to Leon Edwards. So that was in August. Prior to that, he you know hadn't lost a fight since his second professional fight in May of 2013. So I, I you know I would say three losses in a row. I wouldn't necessarily give him an immediate title rematch, title shot, but maybe someone a higher echelon, top five. Yeah, you know, I think if, so. if you give somebody give him somebody in the top five, you know, in the welterweight division. I mean, I'm looking at that division. You know, you've got Bilal Muhammad, Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, and Shavkat Rachmanov in the five position. Usman's number one. So even even Stephen Thompson, number six, if you want to throw in five names there. So I'd say you give him somebody there. If he gets the win, then you can talk about title contention. I know Shavkat's booked. Okay. I would make Shavkat and Usman. Ooh. I would make that in a heartbeat. That'd be good. Because the problem that you have now is Colby is fighting Leon Edwards, I believe, in December. Right. So that division is now in in flux right now because it all depends on who wins. Mm-hmm. If Edwards wins, you can't give that shot to to Usman. Right. As much as the UFC might want to, they can't. After two losses, it doesn't make sense unless Usman goes on a win streak, which he's fully capable of. 296 it is, Colby Covington against uh, Leon Edwards. Right. And then on the flip side, you can't do Usman and, and Covington again. Right. I mean, we've already seen that a few times. I mean, granted, it's a great fight, but, I mean, how many times can you do that? That's that's the ultimate question there. Yeah, yeah. So that could be a situation depending on what Shemaev wants to do. And, and as wild as this might sound, and I fully mean this, I don't doubt him going for both belts. I could see it. He's that wild he might try. Mm-hmm. And there's a great chance he might get both. Right. Because, quite frankly, him against Strickland, I, I really like Shemayev in that fight. I really right. do. I just oh, think yeah. Strickland's a good fighter. I just don't think that he's on par with just how the pressure that Shemayev does is very similar in the in the same vein as Colby Covington. In the sense of just it's constant pressure, it's constant wrestling. It, you don't get a lot of breathing room mm-hmm. to really get your game going. Like he, like, he just really cuts off the octagon and really – encloses you to where you have to be on the defensive more than the offensive. I mean, it's, it's a great thing for Chamayev. Like, listen, I don't fault him for it. Right. So if he wants to stay a middleweight, which I think he should, like, I like him at that weight. Him at 170, if he can make it, mm-hmm. great. But I don't want him to get another title shot, and he comes in eight pounds overweight and is like, whoop, right. uh, sorry. Right. Because I will say this. If he has to come down there and fight Leon Edwards, I think he can beat Leon outright. Right. Edwards is very technically sound, but then again, it's that same wrestling pressure. And plus, remember, Usman was able to get a couple takedowns here and there at their first fight. Right. Chimaev has better wrestling right now. So you have to look at that. That's just that's another aspect. So looking up some info for Kamar Usman, I would give him Bilal Muhammad because like you like you said, you know, Leon Edwards is tied up with Colby Covington. 
uh, or whatever. You know, he's he's tied. You know, Leon Edwards is tied up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't do Usman and Covington again, like you mentioned. Just be like whatever the outcome is, just because, like you said, he's beaten him the two times. He knocked his ass out in December 2019, and then he beat him by unanimous decision in 2021. Mm-hmm. Looked up that one. That one was 48, 47, 48, 47, and 49-46. So. Done, you know, he's beat his ass twice in a row, and then neither are by draw, so no thanks. I'd give him Bilal Muhammad. From what I can see, Bilal Muhammad doesn't have a fight scheduled. Yeah. So if you want, you can do Kamar Usman versus Bilal Muhammad, one versus two. You get the title situation figured out, and whoever beat wins between Usman and Muhammad gets the next title shot. As for Hamza Chamath, I mean, listen, you give this guy whoever the fuck he wants at this point. Yeah. 13 professional matches, 13 wins, no losses. Six of these wins are by knockout, five are by submission. He's only got two decisions, yeah. and they've and they're within the last you know year and a half of each other. The first one was against uh, Gilbert Burns right. in April of last year. Then this most recent with Kamaru Usman. Every other fight in his career, in his professional career, which stretches back to 2018, was by knockout or submission. So yeah, you give this guy, and then you got his amateur record. He's three and zero going back to 2017, which that was two submissions and a knockout. You give this guy whoever the fuck he wants. Uh, people will be in. I will be greedy. I would love to see Colby Covington win, and then Shemayev just run in the cage. Oh my god! Because you think that press conference against Strickland is going to be insane? Like they might have to have them in separate buildings. If yeah. Shemayev and Covington. Yeah. Because I I don't trust Shemayev to remain calm. Like you, th- you thought CM Punk was crazy at the AEW uh, press conference for uh, All Out. Uh, fucking put. Colby Covington and Hamzat in the same press room. Yeah, because oh. I, I think the only difference is Colby is a character. Chemayev, this is really him. Yeah. There, there's a difference, there, folks. There's no mask. There is a difference, and I am here for that chaos. So we'll have to wait and see, but the great thing for Chemayev, I mean, he, he can call his own shot. Yeah. That's that's the best thing right now for uh-huh. him. Uh-huh. And then, let's say, Usman, a little more question marks, but I think that... They'll be fine. Uh, like I say, if he waits, you know, that's not a bad thing either, but it all depends on who wins that title in December. Mm-hmm. That's going to dictate a lot, which mm-hmm. I think at this stage is probably the best for him. Yep. Meanwhile, we had a main event that, poor, this did not go the way I thought it was going to go. No, it did not. But we do have a clear-cut lightweight champion. Yes, we do. I don't think there's any debate anymore. <laughs> not after this statement win oh my god so yeah for the lightweight uh lightweight division championship you had uh, islam machekov defending his belt against alexander volkanovsky uh and machekov defended his belt knocking out alexander volkanovsky at three minutes and six seconds of the first round well this fight much like the co-main event a lot of injury issues uh charles Oliveira was the original opponent he, nasty injury he got a nasty headbutt cut uh-huh so he is out for right now. Yep. Uh, Volkanovski stepped up. I mean, the weight cut was like 25 pounds, I believe, in 11 days. Uh-huh. Like, it was an insane cut. Did it play a factor here? You can debate it, but I think, honestly, Machev did his thing. And he was primed for this. He wanted to make sure that there was no doubt in anybody's mind. I mean, I think it's very safe to say, and I know a lot of the uh, sports media is saying the same thing right now. He's pound for pound the best fighter on the planet. Uh, I would have to agree with that. I mean, looking at uh, Islam Macheka's record, in 26 professional matches, he has a record of 25 wins, uh, five of those by knockout, 11 by submission, nine by decision, and only one loss. Mm-hmm. That one loss coming to Adriano Martins, uh, who knocked him out, 
Uh, that was at UFC 192 on October 3rd, 2015. Jeez. He has now, because, you know, folks, look at the date. He has now not lost in eight years. Yeah. That's that's crazy. And the man has t- the, only taken one year off. That was for 2020, which eh, I can understand that. That's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, that's an easy one to understand. But outside 2020, dude has fought every year. Well, what the shit? I mean, he's, he's, he's a different breed. Yeah, he is. Easy. Easy to say. Like I say, now that he's got the, the belt, there's a very short list of fights that would interest me here. Mm-hmm. The Oliveira one, I think, is the no-brainer, depending on how long he is on the shelf for. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, there we that would make sense because that was the original schedule, right? And I mean, you take a look at that top ten ranking for the UFC for lightweight. This is where you have to really kind of think about who is there that would be an exciting fight Mm -hmm. because that's that's the situation you have right now. So looking at the rankings, as we know, Islam Machekov is number one uh, is the champion, number one contender, Charles Oliveira. Number two, Justin Gaethje. Number three, Dustin Poirier. Number four, Benil Darush. Number five, Michael Chandler. Uh, number six, uh, Mayut Gamera. Uh, number seven, Rafael Fizev. Eight is Arman uh, Sarukin. Nine is Dan Hooker. And then ten is Rafael Dos Anjos. Well, looking at that list, the only other fight to do is Gaethje. That would make sense. And that's only if Oliveira can't go because that injury is still giving him some issues. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, I don't know who you get. I really don't. I mean, Volkanovski is going to be fine. He's going back to 145, and mm-hmm. he's got the number one contender there. Yep, yep. So I'm not – for him, there's nobody that's that's going to jump in and, and throw a curveball there, and that's Tupria. That, I mean, he's going to be fighting. I, either Oliveira or Gaethje makes sense because I'm looking at Machekov's uh, record here. Uh, he's only got one fight against uh, Charles Oliveira. He beat him by triangle arc, triangle choke submission. Uh, which that was in October of t- uh, last year, and then he has actually not faced Justin Gaethje. Yeah, so I mean that's the only. So that's uh, the record there is O and O. But the question there would be: Are you going to have another fight like uh, Habib and and Gaethje? Yeah, that that's the only thing yeah. that would give me pause. Yeah, but I would still love to see it. Oh, I would too. But now, I mean. That is generating a lot of headlines that, I mean, obviously, Machev, you got to give him competition. And and that's and for being the king of the deepest division in the UFC, mm-hmm. that speaks volumes of just how dominant of a champion he is. Right. So you have to give him fights that are going to make sense. I mean, I can't see anybody dropping from 170 down to 155. Like, you could imagine, like, a Kamaru Usman trying a weight cut like that. I, would, I, I don't I don't recommend it. I'm not saying I want to see that because I don't. No, no. But you have to sit there and think, like, who would who would make sense to do a cut like that? I mean, maybe down? somebody will step up from featherweight. You you would think. Like, I would say, like, I'd love to see, like, a Brian Ortega step up and, yeah, go, and currently, go there. Currently number three in the uh, featherweight. Yeah, like, I think that would make a lot of sense because he, he's not going to get past Volkanovski. No. And then Tupri, I mean, depending on what you have there. Right, but I like I say for him, I think that would make a lot of sense for him to move up. Right, I don't know if he would. And then, I mean, who know? I mean, who else you got? I mean, that's that uh, featherweight division. Volkanovski's the champion, but I mean, he just beat him. Number one is Max Holloway. Two is Yair Rodriguez. Three is Brian Ortega, as you mentioned. Four is Arnold Allen. Five is Ilya Tupura. Uh, six is Josh Emmett. Seven is Calvin Qatar. Eight is Giga Chikadze. Nine is uh, Movsar Eloev. And ten is Bryce Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, there's there. That's why I say there's nobody really under that would jump up. Fuck it, Edson Barbosa. 
Barbosa could. He's he's number eleven. He's a crazy cut to get down there. So I mean, it would make sense. But at the same time, he struggled. I mean, memory serves me right. He he was not exactly a dominant one fifty five. There's also you know another guy I thought of. You could you could throw in this whole mix up because he recently entered the testing pool or re-entered the testing pool. Ugh, I don't want to see that. I know, but hey, he, I I haven't been keeping an active eye on it, but I've seen some tweets every now and again. You know. Checking the old testing pool to see if one Conor McGregor is uh, in the testing pool, and up until this past week he wasn't, and now he he's show his name wasn't showing up in the testing pool, but now it's it's shown up. There's not a test result saying he he tested, mm-hmm. but he's at least back in the pool. He's back in the pool, but I think that the smart money is him and Chandler. Well, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. I say, the, I don't think that they would give. Well, let me say this. Anything could happen in the UFC. I just don't see them giving him mm-hmm. a title shot. Right out the gate. I mean, if he beats Chandler, I I can't fault him. You you could make an argument. You could make a legit argument. Dustin Poirier would have a lot to say about that, but I'm just saying (laughs) you you have some arguments there. Fuck it. Triple threat. I mean, anything could happen. I mean, Endeavor does own both companies. That's what I'm saying. WrestleMania weekend. Oh, we just started a bad rumor, folks. That's why we're kidding about that, but that's why we like to talk about UFC and UFC 294 made some headlines and then some. Source, just trust us, bro. Yes, just trust us, bro. We got sources. But we definitely want to have that conversation with you about that because UFC has been making some moves. Obviously got a big sponsorship deal, uh, too, with Bud Light. Yeah, reportedly over $100 million. God damn. The UFC's making some moves. They got a lot of headlines going on. Things are real good for TKO these days. Yeah, exactly. Endeavor's taking over the world, folks. So get on board now. And let's have that conversation about it. What is the fallout from UFC 294 for you? How did you think the fights went? And where do you think every fighter's going? I mean, a lot of scenarios are out there in the open. So let's have that conversation, and we're going to be right back. Hi, guys. This is Macroom. I'm the writer of Infernogo Red, and you're listening to the ODPH podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First of which is obviously the local minute. And looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, excuse me, that is the league our local Binghamton Black Bears playing. Still early in the season, but looking at the Empire Division, the Binghamton Black Bears in first place, having played three games, they are sitting with a record of two wins, no losses, one overtime loss. Uh, they are ahead of Danbury there, Elmira, Watertown, and Wytheville. Uh, looking at their schedule the last week, they had two games, uh, one on Friday where they lost in overtime by the final score of 3-2 to two against Danbury. Came back home on Saturday, though, pulled, uh, picked up a win by the final score of 3-1. to one. couple of games this week, one of which is the game that was supposed to open the season for them against Elmira, but they had the mechanical issues up there. Mm. Looks like they got the mechanical issues sorted out because they have a road game this Thursday, October 26th, 7.05 p.m. Eastern, uh, in Elmira, playing the Elmira River Sharks. Back home on Friday, October 27th, game time 7 o'clock. They are playing the Watertown Wolves, and then they're on the road Saturday, October 28th, uh, playing those same Watertown Wolves at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. I don't have to wait long to see them, though. I only have to wait a little bit. Uh, they return home after this weekend, Friday, November 10th. Uh, so for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And we got to talk a little bit of baseball because post- Oh, yes. Yes, we will. Postseason is uh, going on, folks. Got a little bit of managerial news. Uh, the San Francisco Giants obviously fired their manager, Gabe Kapler. 
uh, this uh, after the season was over because yeah, a little bit to be desired by mm-hmm. him. Didn't have to wait long though to find their replacement because, as is being reported amongst many folks, including ESPN, uh, Bob Melvin is leaving the San Francisco Padres or San Francisco San Diego Padres to become the manager of the San Francisco Giants. Interesting. So yeah, the uh, article says San Diego granted Melvin permission to interview with the d- division rival Giants earlier this week, paving the way for the end of a contentious two-year relationship between the Padres and the three-time manager of the year. Uh, The Padres said earlier this month that they intended to retain Melvin and general manager A.J. Preller, even after going just 82 and 80 en route to a third-place finish in the National League West, close quote. So I'd say it might be a good pickup for San Francisco. Melvin's always been a decent guy, a little bit to be desired by the record there in San Diego. But we'll see what happens in San Francisco. Yeah, I would say that's going to be a solid hire. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got to talk about the uh, Game 7 uh, of the um, National League Championship Series that is scheduled tonight as we record. Uh, you've got Arizona in Philadelphia. The game time is 8.07 p.m. Eastern on TBS. Pitching matchup is a stellar one. Stellar one. It's Brandon uh, Fott. Uh, P-F-A-A-D-T. He has got a season record of 3-9 and nine with a 5.72 ERA. Uh, going up against Ranger Suarez, who's got a record of for the season four and six and a four point one eight ERA. Wait, uh, wait, wait, so both these guys have sub five hundred records yep. and they're pitching game seven. Yep. Uh, something tells me this is going to be an opener type situation. They're got gonna, you. It's going to be an opener type situation, and it's going to be. You remember Game Seven of the two thousand three yep. ALCS where Roger Clemens pitched, David Wells pitched, all the Andy all Pettit, hands on deck, all hands on fucking deck. This is what it's going to be because Game One of the World Series does not start until this Friday. That is October twenty seventh, uh, scheduled to be eight oh three p.m. Eastern on Fox. Where who's in the American League side of representing things? <sighs> Take a deep breath, folks. <sighs> you smell that? The ear's a little nicer. Uh, it's a little cleaner. Yeah, it's sun's a little brighter. A little more pop to the step this morning. Because who got eliminated last night? The fucking Houston Astros. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bitch. Stop any of this talk of a dynasty. I'm sorry. To be a dynasty, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of folks consider it three titles in four years, at least. They've got two titles in six. Yeah. Stop this. Are they a dynastic team? Yes, they're very goddamn good. Let's give the Devils their due. But are they a dynasty? No. They've only won two World Series. 2017, asterisk the fuck out of that Mm -hmm. one. And then last year. So they won one. They won one. Let's be honest. They won one. Let's be honest. They won one. But hey, kudos to Texas Rangers. Kudos to Bruce Bochy. That team is two years removed from having a 102 loss season and one year removed from having a 92 loss season. Now they're in the goddamn World Series. It, it when they pick when they take uh, the first pitch of Game One of the World Series, it will be four thousand three hundred eighty-three days since they were last in a World Series. They were last in a World Series in like 2011, 2012. It has been a while. Have they ever won a World Series? No, no. they have not. So it, it, exciting for Texas Rangers fans to be back in the World Series. Personally, I hope it's up against the Philadelphia Phillies. Listen, I got nothing against the Arizona Diamondbacks. The 2001 World Series was 22 years ago. Over it is what it is. Kudos to them then. But just the matchup of Arizona and Texas, it's not that exciting for me. But if it's Philly and Texas, all of a sudden I got a little bit more interest in that. Is Bar- it- Bryce Harper uh, and all those guys on offense. Uh, Schwarber, Schwar- you know, fucking Schwarbaum. Oh, my God. Could be fun. I'm saying the power of Creed. <laughs> that's all I've been playing in that locker room. 
That's true. Creed was in attendance a couple nights ago. That's what I say. So if we do any promotional videos this week for TikTok and yeah. you hear a lot of Creed, yeah. you now know why. Yes. Also, got to say, I'm rooting for Philly because the last time Philly won the World Series, Yankees won it the following year. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping for history to repeat itself. I'm just saying that that one song Philly was rocking to last year. Is still, oh my god, they, they still are. Yeah, I still play it. Yeah, not gonna lie, it got stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's it's a catchy tune. It is a very very catchy tune. Mm-hmm. So uh, also kicking off this past week uh, was the National Hockey League. Yes, and there's only one team we care about, and that is the New York Rangers. Yeah, currently sitting three and two. I mean, obviously defeating the Buffalo Sabers. Caught was able to catch a couple of games. Uh, thanks, ESPN Plus. Yes, uh, which is nice because we don't get the chance to catch them uh, unless they make the national, which is it's weird. He and I both have Hulu. Yes, we do. So shout out to them. They hooked it up. Yeah. Uh, easily defeating the Buffalo Sabres 5-1. That oh, game was great. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, anytime we beat Buffalo in that situation, I'm, I'm a happy camper. Uh-huh. For Wipehead, reasons. reasons. But they did take an L against Columbus 5-3 to three on Saturday night. Bounced back with a home opener against uh, the Phoenix Coyotes 2-1. to one. Dude, and, the, and somebody went in a fucking car. Game one of the regular season at home. Yeah. That was wild. Insane. And then uh, they took an L, a, a bad game against Nashville, but listen, it is what it is. I was working late that night, yeah, and I was like, hey, you know what? Rangers are on. I know it's been on ESPN Plus the last couple of nights, so you know what? I might go home and watch the Rangers game. I got out of work. It was like 3 to nothing, 4 to nothing, and I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not watching that game. Yeah, no, that was a brutal one. But they did bounce back on the weekend, though, defeating the Kraken 4-1. to one. So this week, as we were recording, they're playing Calgary tonight, mm-hmm. 9.45 Eastern Standard Time. Then they're playing Edmonton, followed by Vancouver, and then Winnipeg on Monday. Jesus so, Christ, West Coast swing there. Yeah, so they're definitely getting those games out early. But, you know, we are Blue Shirt Nation here all day, every day. So if you want to hear any impartial hockey talk, you've turned into the wrong podcast because <laughs> we are not impartial when we talk about the Rangers. So Fuck no. Exactly. So Blue Shirt Nation, stand the puck up. Let's fucking go. And last but not least, I mean, there's not a lot of pro wrestling news other than there was a lot of uh, name changes going on coming out of the Impact Wrestling Bound for Glory pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, They are now going back to the TNA wrestling, so it is kind of interesting to see what is playing there. A lot of thoughts happening with that, so if you want a deeper dive, we're going to be saving that for Wrestling Night Live on Nerd Initiative YouTube for the last time... On Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then we're moving to the new time slot, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure you drop that subscribe button, hit that smash button. The links are right there on ophpodcast.com. A lot to discuss there, but that is the big news of the week. So not a lot happening with AEW and WWE. No, but I did see something from TNA where Jordan Grace tweeted, please start a TNA chant in the comments. Somebody replied, if it's not a six-sided ring, is it really TNA? To which Jordan Grace said, do y'all want us to have long careers or a six-sided ring? The six-sided ring is overrated, in my opinion. <laughs> I understand why they did it, but no, yeah. I don't. I don't want to see it come back. There's yeah. there's reasons why. Yeah, and I'll just I'll save it for Wrestling Night Live. Yeah. I'll just, just no. Like just you no. said, like you said, the WWE quiet. The only thing really notable is uh, a couple matches added for Crown Jewel, which is taking place not this weekend, but I think it's the weekend after. Yes. Yeah, next weekend on Saturday, uh, where you've got among the ones we knew, which is Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight Championship, the Fatal. Five way for the women's world championship, which is Rhea Ripley, Nia Jax, Shanna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. We knew that one, uh, but added this past week was the singles matchup for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defending his belt against L.A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, Cody Rhodes taking on Damian Priest in a singles match. Uh, and then also in a singles match for the United States Championship, Rey Mysterio and Logan Paul. Shout out to Logan Paul. 
after last night on Monday Night Raw, I need Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio in a tag team. I'm in. You won't hear a goddamn thing. No, Logan. Logan has definitely be do, has been doing a great job about hyping this up. Yeah, because I and I'm, I'm gonna say this right now. He's walking away with the title. I I agree. No question about it. So nothing against right, but the things he could do with that belt. Yeah, I'm excited to see this happen. So I mean, that's kind of been the only news really that's yeah. happened in there. Yeah. AEW is AEW. We'll get into that on Wednesday. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. But there's a lot more to talk about with TNA wrestling. So and I'm really excited to talk about that too. Yeah, because uh, we are impressed with them. Yes, we are. So uh, stay tuned for that between here and Nerd Initiative, dot, dot, dot. But let's get out of here on a high note because, Pad, what is your favorite sport? Basketball is my favorite sport. The NBA is back, baby. Hell yeah, they are. Kicking off tonight as we are recording. Doubleheader on TNT. Yeah, it's great to see the season is kicking off. A lot of headlines going into this season. Yes. Obviously, there is much to be excited about if you're a fan. Obviously, Denver Nuggets are your reigning defending champions. Mm -hmm. But the Western Conference definitely got better overall. (laughs) Oh, my God. So let's get into it, Pat. Yeah, so uh, tipping off tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern as we record on TNT is the Los Angeles Lakers at the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, banner-raising ceremony, ring ceremony, the whole nine yards. We'll Mm -hmm. see if LeBron can play spoiler. Uh, Now with Andre Iguodala retired. After 19 years in the uh, NBA, crazy. LeBron James is now the oldest player in the NBA. That is an insane stat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then on the late game, 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern, also on TNT, you've got the Phoenix Suns tipping off against the Golden State Warriors in Golden State. Yeah, it's going to be exciting first night of basketball. Yeah. I mean, like I say, they're... the greatest pre-show and post-show in sports history is back. Absolutely, inside the NBA. Yeah, so nobody gets Ernie, Kenny, Shaq. And uh, Charles, mm-hmm. they're the best. No, uh, yeah, it's always a great time. Like I say, I love watching the coverage. Yes. I, I don't really get too wound up until after Christmas. Oh, I agree. Because it's kind of like, it's it's a weird thing with the NBA because it's like more of a feeling out. But, mm-hmm. but this season, I, I'm... It's like the first round in a UFC fight. Yeah. like But this season, especially with Wemby... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Wembenyana. Yeah, from it's playing in San Antonio. Dude got a, what did I see the other day in a preseason game? He had a block from like the fucking three point line. Three point line. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, like he he is going to be the best player in the NBA within three years. What's the block record in a season? He might break that. Yeah, no, he he's playing both sides of the ball as long as he stays with this and with Popovich as his coach. Like he could not have landed in a better spot. Uh but I think though this year. With all the drama that's going on oh, with, with teams, and I mean, obviously, the New York Knicks have had their fair share. We, uh-huh. we won't shy away from that. Yeah. The East is wide open, and the Western Conference could be a, a real spoiler one. Mm-hmm. We do know Phoenix reloaded with Kevin yep. with Bradley Beal in the fold, with yep. Kevin Garnett and Devin Booker. Ke- Kevin Durant. Or Kevin Durant, I should say. Uh, like I say, so Phoenix should be the outright favorite. Yeah, you would think. But as last season taught us, they're going to be up in the air, too. Expect the unexpected. Exactly. And especially with Bradley Beal in that equation, I don't know how that's going to work, to be honest uh-huh. with you. There's uh-huh. only so many basketballs that can go around. Yeah. As for Golden State, who is always perennial favorites, I mean, with Chris Paul on oh, that lineup now. Jesus Christ. I mean, you think about how they could match up, and obviously that can go a lot of different directions, too. Uh-huh. And I think especially with them and Phoenix, I think that'll be a fun rivalry to start watching. <laughs> uh, if you see an uptick in the number of assists a game for Chris Paul, well, you know why. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He, he ain't got to score. He's just got to feed the ball. Mm-hmm. And especially, too, in Dallas with Kyrie Irving now staying with Dirk. Nowitz, or no, not Dirk. Uh, Luca. Luca, thank you. Yeah. But I saw Dirk was really excited about the move for him staying there. Yeah. I, like I say, Denver could or Dallas could be another sleeper team happening as well. Could be. Should yeah. be. But again, much like anything else, eh, that's why they play the games. Mm-hmm. But that's why I say there's a lot of headlines that could be happening, too. Sacramento could also make a run. I want to see them improve from last season. I don't know if they're going to or not. Don't count out Milwaukee. No. Well, I say, well, we'll get to the East in a second. But, I mean, going through the Western Conference, I mean, who's jumping out to you like as your favorite preseason pick here? Preseason favorite, I mean, listen, until they show a, like a, dr- a drastic drop-off, Denver Nuggets. Well, you still got Jokic there. You still got, like, are there going to be other teams that contend? Yes. But until I see a drastic drop off, like, holy shit, there's cause for concern. Denver's my team. They come out of the West again. Uh, just because, listen, I, I think they've got the tools to potentially repeat. Mm-hmm. Will they actually repeat? Mm, again, why they play the games. Yeah. Chips, uh, chips are not handed out in October, fro- October folks. I, I agree with you, too. I mean, I think my my pick is going to be Phoenix. Okay. I think there's just too much talent there. They If they don't do it this year, blow up the team. Yeah. Like, and honestly, like, I'm I'm dead serious about it. Of course, we said that about Brooklyn a couple of years ago. and well, well, that's the whole thing. Brooklyn was a smart to do it. Yeah. Brooklyn, I will give Brooklyn credit. They got rid of their headache. Hey, shout out also, uh, shout out to whoever leaked the Brooklyn pitch for Carmelo Anthony in 2011, 2012. If you saw that online, shit was hilarious. Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're, they're, like I say, Brooklyn turned out to be the smartest team in the league last year <laughs> by getting rid of all their problems and yeah, hitting the did. reset. Yeah, they did. And now, I mean, Phoenix is going to be the one I think that all the spotlight's going to be burning the brightest, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. But you have too much talent on that team not to step up and do it. Yeah. I mean, I think the young team of uh, in Oklahoma City is going to be a surprise one. Oklahoma City's got so many goddamn draft backs. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be ones that really, I think, are going to steal some games they shouldn't. And they could make a run per se to that seven eighth seed. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna get past you know the elite of the, the division. I think it's ultimately going to come down between Denver and Phoenix. And I'm, right. I'm I'm taking Phoenix. I don't feel super confident about that. Right. But there's just too much damn talent. Like you yeah. can't overlook it. Yeah. I, th- I think the Lakers are going to have a, a sub. I don't want to say subpar year, but in, in comparison to other years, there's just only so much LeBron can do unless somebody can really help him consistently. They're going to be having problems. I mean, that's just my take on that. And I do think the Golden State is going to be there too. But they're, like I say, it's the, it's the changing of the guard. And it's just how much, yeah. can, how much can these teams really hang on to the past? Like that's the big question mark in the West. Because the East is having a big shift. And the East got a lot better in certain, uh, yeah. in certain ways. Yeah. So like I say, if, for the Western Conference, it's really going to boil down to how bad does Denver want to repeat? Because, I mean, success is a great – uh, motivator, but it can mm-hmm. also be a great deterrent because once you have that taste, you have to go back. You have to really be excited about it. Right. I just don't know if it, I see it here. Well, and that's the thing too is with with Jokic, he he wasn't exactly thrilled how short the off season was. Yeah. So, like I say, it could be a lot of different things happening mm-hmm. with that. But taking a look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, the biggest headline there, Milwaukee. God damn, they got Dame Lillard. Yeah, they do. And especially Giannis re-upped for three years. Oh, my God. Player option for four. Smart move by Milwaukee. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, looking at the rest of the division or Mil- the conference. Milwaukee's going to be nasty. Milwaukee, if they stay healthy, I mean, it's hard to go Lil- against them. Lillard at the point guard. Malik Beasley is shooting guard. Middleton at the small forward. Giannis at the power forward. And Brooke Lopez at the center. Oh, my God. That's a solid starting five. That, that's going to be giving teams fits. Yeah. I think you are going to have – an implosion in Philadelphia. Probably. I don't doubt seeing Harden and Embiid gone. 
I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this with any ill intent, right. Philadelphia fans. Right, right, right. I'm being dead ass serious. Yeah, that, like this, this is a shitter get off the pot moment for Philly because it's been trust the process for you know five, six years, whatever it is since Joel Embiid has been in the league, and you haven't really gotten anything to show for it. No, you have nothing. So the question mark is, if not now, when? Mm-hmm. And I think it could have a situation where they do. I know you gave me a great trade scenario, and I'm, I'm putting <laughs> put the karma out in the world. Yeah, Dolan, do this. Yeah, there, there's a rumor going around, and this is according to the Sixers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, Keith Pompey. So if you go to at Pompey on Sixers, you can see I'm not making this shit up. Uh, he tweeted this, and I'll even give you the timestamp of when to look for this. 5.08 a.m. on October 24th, 2023. Uh, he said, and I quote, the New York Knicks are willing to offer a package that includes three key players with Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, and Mitchell Robinson, all available in exchange for Joel Embiid, according to sources. A trio from that group would be paired with two or three first-round picks. Joel Embiid loves Philly, but he could love it from a distance if the James Harden saga ends poorly, close quote. Do it. Do it in a heartbeat. I don't even think twice about it. Like, I'm sorry, the R.J. Barrett experiment in New York, I, I don't think is working. Nope. I, I'm sorry, I don't. I understand he bought in, but I, he's not consistent enough. And when you have Jalen Brunson leading that squad, he now has his whole Villanova lineup with him with Josh Hart and Dante DiVincenzo. All it's missing is a head coach there. Yeah, like seriously, if Jay Wright wants to come and coach the team, I like listen, I'm yeah, okay with it. At this, at this situation, I, I fear Thibodeau is going to be on the way out. Yeah, pro- I, probably. I, I think it's going to happen. The only thing the Knicks did, sorry, now I got, I'm going on my Knicks rant, is they did not re-up uh, Quigley. Right. They did not do that. That worries me that I think they're going to try flipping him in some trade. Uh-huh. And I don't like seeing that. But I, I'm i trusting the Knicks to do the right things as long as Dolan is out on tour or, or doing Dolan things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not well, he's got his sphere, his sphere out in uh, Vegas now. Yeah. Which which now the sphere is the sponsor on the Knicks jerseys this year. Yeah. Which, which is yeah, of course, yeah. Reasons. Sure. But you know what? In all honesty, I think if the Knicks can improve what they did last year, if they can get an Embiid, I, I will say this. If they get Embiid, they will become my favorite to win. I'm not saying this as a homer pick. Right, right. I'm being dead ass serious. The only, the only thing that is interesting is how big a chip on their shoulder do you think Miami's going to have? Well, Miami is going to be an interesting team because I think that they're going to be in that upper echelon and mm-hmm. especially oh, they, they'll contend, yeah. They'll contend, but yeah. if I'm Tyler Hero and some of the other names that were getting thrown around for that trade, uh-huh. I don't know how I'm feeling right now being in Miami. Right. That's the only thing. That's just me. If, right. If I was hearing I was that expendable. Right. And then Boston's going to be interesting to see as well, just because you've got the new starting five with Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kristaps Porzingis. No, Porzingis I ain't worried about. No. And uh, But, Drew, they, but they, they went all in on, on Tatum. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tatum. Is, is that the right move? We'll see. Well, like I say, with Brown, like, I, I don't like that move. I, I don't. I thought mm-hmm. it would have been better to send him to Memphis and, and, and do some picks there. Right. But – they didn't go that route, so that kind of threw me off for a loop. Sure. I mean, we have heard Donovan Mitchell is gone from Cleveland this year, so yeah. I mean, who knows what could happen there? I wonder where he's going to end up. Oh my God, him at the Knicks! I just oh, yeah. Like I, I, next season, I, there could be a lot of <laughs> there could be a lot of very very bad trash talk from me Probably. if he winds up there. But I mean, taking a look at the season though, who is your pick to come out of the East? So out of the East, I'm going to say the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I listen. I just think that starting five, if they all stay healthy and there isn't any like serious like season-ending injuries, 
it's going to be Milwaukee. There, listen, we've seen how good Dame is by himself mm-hmm. with literally no help around him other than four other dudes. Yeah, you now give him that monster starting five. You know, the monster starting five with him included. Oh my God, like yeah. they're going to be nasty. I'll even give you a dark horse uh, team to look out for. I'm not saying they're going to go all the way, but they're sure. going to improve on last year and even make the playoffs. Chicago Bulls. Really? I'm going to say Chicago Bulls are my dark horse. You know, keep an eye on them. They might uh, they might uh, surprise some people this year. Wow. I'm going out on a one. Okay. Listen, roll that dice pad. Uh, for me, uh, listen, but unless Embiid gets traded to New York, it's going to be Milwaukee. Yep. There, there's no way around it. This is a smart move. They could make a serious run. Yep. Everybody stays healthy. I mean, you remember Giannis got hurt in the playoffs, and that's what cost him. Uh-huh. Miami is a great team, and they will contend. They can't hang with that starting five but, in Milwaukee. But that starting five is going to take them. There's no way. If, assuming, again, they're all healthy. And, and I don't mean like, oh, 100% healthy. No, like they're all there and playing. Yeah, they're all there and playing and clicking, especially if Dame Lillard gets a chance to get to the, to, to the championship game. Jesus. I'm listen. I'm going to go out on a limb. We're going to get like fucking lobs from the other three point line from yeah. these guys. You're going to see some of the wildest basketball you have ever seen, and I will be so happy for Dame Lillard. Oh, I will too. Yeah, like I said, I I will not be mad if they get there and the Knicks don't. Yep. But I will say, if the Knicks get beat, it's over. The Knicks are going. The Knicks, the Knicks will be will make the finals if they get beat. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that karma out there. Fair potential. And, and if I got to take a dark horse pick too, I'm going to say the Orlando Magic. Okay. I, I think that with Paulo there, they they got some moves. They have a nice little team they're building. They could definitely slide into that 7-8 position, much like Oklahoma City in, in, in the West. Finished below 500 last year. Yeah, they, they could make some noise this they, year. They could make some noise, but I, I think oh, this is going to be Milwaukee. And listen, I'm going to say if Milwaukee gets there, Milwaukee's taking it. I think if Dame Lillard just gets that close to the finals, you're going to see him go completely bananas. Yeah. And I will love seeing that. But it all tips off tonight, Pat. Yeah. So we'll definitely have a lot to talk about on the social media. So for that and anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And remember, on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. That's it for this week. So I can't wait to hear this one. For the one and only Pat J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Fuck the Astros, too. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Go Rangers. Cause they can't bring me